Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. What an amazing holiday we celebrate. That's kind of like the way the world looks at it. But in reality, we live this 365 days a year. Praising God, worshiping God, serving God. I'd like to say that the greatest life enhancement I've ever experienced has been getting saved, living for the Lord. I can't speak for people who get saved and don't live for the Lord. Amen. That's, that's pretty miserable. I've had to deal with some people like that. But I guarantee you, when you begin to realize all that God's put uh, in the earth in the form of His Word and by His Spirit, and you begin to taste and you begin to experience some of it, that's something we've said here for years. We don't just, you know, want people to hear about Jesus. We want them to experience Him. And I couldn't be where I am today if I hadn't experienced Jesus. Amen? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some... Uh, Read some scriptures, uh, four different scripture readings tonight, and sharing the Christmas story. Uh, you know, it's amazing when you really study who Jesus is historically and how men make impressions upon humanity historically. They usually do it by some, you know, a gift. Uh, uh, you know, you take a, a genius mathematician or an artist or somebody who could write, uh, uh, you know, like Handel's Messiah, those people uh, that would have gift or talent to do that. Uh, Jesus had none of that. He left no uh, art that was painted. He left no sculpture that was sculpted. He didn't leave anything like that, but he left something much more important than that. He left salvation, which he himself was a gift from God to us, and not only just in his birth, but in his death, resurrection, and being seated at the right hand of the Father, he fulfilled everything the Father gave him to do. I'm going to read now out of my, my uh, Passion Translation. Let me help you, help you with you that are studying the Word of God, studying the Bible. Uh, for all of Christianity, the King James Version uh, tends to be the standard. Uh, it's you, most people that uh, denominationally you take Baptist, Methodist, uh, 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 you know, Lutheran, Episcopalian. Most, most Christian, mainline Christian denominations would use the Bible. Many times in, in, in King James, some people are using what's called New King James. So there's many different uh, translations of the Bible. That's where they go into original script, what they call original script. There were uh, scriptures that were uh, gathered over the years. And if you read, ever, go ever read the story of it, it's phenomenal how the Bible got put together. All the different authors, all the time that, I mean, there's no doubt at all that it's, that it's God's holy word. Amen? So Jesus fulfilled all that was, that was written about him in the Word of God. I'm choosing the Passion Translation because I think it's, 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 very, uh, it's very clear. It, it, it'll bless you. Uh, let me get to it here. Uh, let me find it here. It's 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you're looking with me. Verse 16, I believe it is. Let me find it. 13, 14, 15. It says, For the mystery of righteousness is truly amazing. He was revealed as a human being and as our great high priest in the spirit. Angels gazed upon him as a man and the glorious message of his kingly rulership is being preached to the nations. Many have believed in him and he has been taken back to heaven and has ascended into a place of exalted glory 
in the heavenly, heavenly realm. Yes, great is the mystery of righteousness. Then in the, then in the, the letter to the church in, at Philippi, uh, it says this. It says, he existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. This is speaking of Jesus. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of all that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. Isn't that amazing? Now, what we would call the Christmas story will begin here in Luke chapter 2. We'll read Luke chapter 2 and then we'll read into the book of Mark just for a moment. Now, let me say this. It's a, I don't know if you've ever had to talk to a, someone who would consider themselves a skeptic or an atheist. And the problem with many people in the world in trying to understand God is they try to do it with their natural mind. But God is understood with the heart. And we live in such a time in which the natural mind has been educated to levels never seen before on the planet. There are people, there's more education. There's more information flowing. I mean, people, uh, I mean, if you don't have a lazy mind, you can build your mind as big as you want to. Amen? But still in reality, the subject of God and the experience of God, it's spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. And what's amazing about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is God who is spiritual, who created us from the realm of the spirit. And then our, our entire family, our species fell. He chose to redeem us in such a way as having to come actually visit the earth in the form in which he created now you think about that for a moment. Amen. We'll let her get her phone fixed. So in the way in which he created, could you imagine that? You know, you don't know how a bird thinks because you're not a bird. So one time, I think it was National Geographic, they did a thing on weenie dogs. And they put those little GoPros on the back of some weenie dogs so that you could see how weenie dogs see things. They, everything they see is up. <laughs> Amen. And see, a lot of people think, well, God doesn't know how I feel. He doesn't know my pain. He doesn't know how I hurt. How could God even know anything about me? Because he was and was born onto this earth as a human being. What was amazing about his conception, we talked about that on Sunday morning, is it was as divine as he is. It was the word of God in the womb of Mary. That's where Jesus, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ was sparked so he could walk upon this earth. He was 100% humanity as well as 100% deity. You say that's impossible. That's because you're trying to figure it out with your natural mind. Amen? Nothing's impossible with God. Now, in the, in the, in the gospel of Luke chapter 2, this would be the portion of Scripture that most would refer to as the Christmas story. Different Gospels have different angles of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2 probably being the most 
popular. I'll read in verse 1. During those days, the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus ordered that the first census be taken throughout his empire. Now we know that was also a taxation that was taking place. Quanius was the governor of Syria at the time. Everyone had to travel to his or her hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph, Joseph and his fiancée left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to their hometown in Judea to the village of Bethlehem, King David's ancient home. Now that, that particular journey, I imagine it took them several days. It was approximately 65 miles. And she was very, uh, with child, so to speak, so I, I guarantee that was probably a, a very long journey. It says, uh, when they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn baby uh, in stripes of cloth, strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. Now, if you go do a study of this historically, you'll find out some very amazing things. Most of the people that were in Bethlehem were their relatives. Now, think about that for a minute. You say, what do you mean? Well, everybody was called back to the hometown or the place of their birth in order to be a part of this census and pay this tax. So most of the people that lived in Bethlehem were relatives, and the most of the people that went back to Bethlehem, they were also relatives. So all your relatives were staying in your relative's house, and you kind of got there late because you were traveling with your wife, and you were kind of, you know, late getting there. So there was, there's no historical evidence there was ever any inns in Bethlehem because Bethlehem was not the size of a town that would have had an inn. That's why it pays to study the Bible, study the Word of God. Amen. Secondly, the, the spiritual side of this, which is so amazing, it was Bethlehem and the fields around Bethlehem that were given to the Levitical priesthood that through the tribe of Judah, they maintained that, you know, Boaz's family and then Jesse's family, who David came from, King David. Those families were given the task of raising the spotless lambs that would be offered every year during Passover. So when these lambs were born in that lineage of those spotless lambs, they would take them and hold them and carry them and lay them in feeding troughs and wrap them in those same strips of cloth and lay them in very soft hay so they would not get blemished because you had to have a spotless lamb. Amen. Now with that in mind, look what happens next. It says that night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. So there's the significance to it right there. These are just not your average, ordinary uh, shepherd that would look over sheep. These were the guys that raised the spotless lambs. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with blazes of glory, uh, blazes of the glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them saying, don't be afraid for I've come to bring you good news. Everybody say good news. The joyous news that the world, the, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by his miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Did you get that? You're going to find what? 
the spotless lamb, the last spotless lamb to ever be offered on planet earth that had any significance happened 33 and, so, 33 and a half years and some months later on Passover when Jesus was offered as the spotless lamb for our sins, redeeming the human family from the curse of the fall. Well, Pastor, why do I have to confess Jesus Christ to, as, Lord, to, as Lord and Savior to be saved? Can I just go out and, and do something good? No, because you were born into a fallen family. The human family's fallen. But Jesus came to redeem us. The enemy used one man to cause the whole thing to fall. God used one man to redeem us. And see, some people knew there were others. We'll look at the wise men in just a moment. We'll see these two intercessors. We'll talk about them later as we teach us some things on Jesus. Two intercessors in the temple on his day of purification. There were intercessors and prayed and prayed and prayed the move of God into their generation. God had promised both of them. They would not see death until they saw the salvation of God. And when both of them saw Jesus, he was just a baby, not a ruling king, just a baby. They saw the salvation of God. Wow. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of clothes and lying in a feeding trough. What miracle sign could should there be? That's it right there. Then all at once a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, saying, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and good hope given to the sons of men. Now we know the story how the... How the how the shepherds went. And they saw Jesus. And they knew the significance of that child laying in that trough, wrapped in those strips. They knew exactly what that meant. But others also. Now, I'm going to go real quick to, to, to Matthew. Just the story of the wise men real quick. Because you could go through this and just, if you really took time to break it down and teach on it, on all of its significance, Fulfilling all the types and shadows. You know, I've always said this. You that come here regularly know that we teach uh, Old Covenant, New Covenant. But see, the Old Covenant is written for you. The New Covenant's written to you. They, they, they all look forward to the day that this would happen. We look back at it and say, thank you, Jesus. We were born after it happened so we could be born again. Amen. Chapter 2 of Matthew begins, Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of King Herod. After Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests from the east came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people. Notice what they asked. Where is the child who was born king of the Jewish people? You know, if you study this, you'll find out that they were amazed that no one knew. That there was an ignorance that had come upon the spirituality of the nation of Israel. Except for a few people in a few positions or places uh, like those that were in the temple, intercessors and prayers. Men like Zechariah who was John the Baptist's uh, uh, father and Elizabeth his wife. Except for a few, I'm sure there was a remnant there that were serving God. Most people were like, huh? What? See, they weren't expecting. You don't want to be caught this time not expecting. <laughs> Uh, amen? I said, you don't want to get caught this time not expecting. Everybody say, I'm expecting. It says, we observed his star rising in the sky, and we've come to bow before him and worship. Now, notice this, the star. It wasn't a singular star. 
It was actually a, an astronomical event, an alignment of planets that took place that created what's called the Bethlehem Star. Up until last year, that event had not taken place except for then when it happened 2,000 years ago until 2020 when it happened again after 2,000 years. The Bethlehem Star appeared, which was that alignment of those planets. You know, there are signs. I said there are signs. Glory to God. Mm. It says King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this. Not only him, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard the news. So the rumor got out. And it freaked everyone out. You know, you know why? They weren't serving God. They were not adhering to A temple worship had become ritual. Priests had become influential men who could buy their way into the priesthood. It was all corrupt. No wonder they were afraid. So he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and religious scholars demanding that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judea, they told him, because the prophecy states, and you little Bethlehem are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the spiritual priest from the east and to ascertain the exact time the star will first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and carefully look there for the child. And when you found him, report to me so that, I, so that I can go and bow down and worship him too. That was a lie he told there. He says, so they left, went on their way to Bethlehem. And suddenly, the same star they had seen in the east reappeared Amazed, they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. Now, can you imagine having something like that happen to you? I've seen early in the morning, especially real cold mornings, I've seen some pretty awesome things. I saw a big streak across the sky one time. We were hunting. A lot of times you get up early, early in the morning to hunt. You see things in the sky. But could you imagine following a light so bright like that and you're following it, which means what? It appears to be moving. And then all of a sudden, as you follow it, it stops. And where it stops, that's the place you've been looking for. Amen? I can't wait to talk to those guys. That's pretty cool. That's literally what happened to them. They left and went on their way to Bethlehem. Suddenly, the same star they had seen in the east reappeared. Amazed, they watched, went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrate, celebrated with unrestrained joy. Well, we don't want to do that. That's just not dignified. <laughs> don't tell off on us, amen. You know, there should be a little more to it than just, amen, you know. I mean, if you're really, well, we better not go that way because we just, we just get in trouble if we do. Amen. It says when they saw the star, they hadn't even seen Jesus yet. They hadn't even seen, they just saw a sign that there was a Jesus. They were so ecstatic. They shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. And when they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, 
They were overcome. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts, presented him with gold and frankincense and mirth. Afterward, they returned their own, to their own country by another route because God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. We know the story of what Herod did to Bethlehem, but it was two years later after Jesus was born. You know, I've, for 37 years, I've gone all over this world and preached the gospel. People whose languages I didn't understand and just told them about Jesus and what Jesus, you know, there's two parts to Jesus in your life. What he's done for you. How many know that's amazing what he's done for you? All the things Jesus has done for me in my life. It's, it's, uh, there's no way to describe. It's almost like living in a dream sometimes. You think, you know, how, how can this be? It certainly haven't, uh, haven't earned the blessings of God. I've learned a few things about blessings, amen. But the life that God gives you, when you really make a decision to serve him at any point in your life, then it goes back to the reality. You know, Jesus at one time, he asked his disciples. I don't know if he heard some people speaking or what he heard. He asked them, he said, who do people, who, who, who is everyone saying that I am? He was very interested in that. Who, who's everybody saying that I am? And so his, his disciples, he said, well, you know, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're another prophet. Some even say you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. And then I could see the, you know, the look in his eyes. He was, you know, kind of perplexed by that answer because he'd seen miracles and signs and wonders that he had done. But then he brought something that was kind of a universal question down to a personal question. But whom do you say that I am? And you know, it's almost like Peter's uh, spirit interrupted his mind. Because out of his mouth came these words, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, You know, flesh and blood didn't give you that. I didn't teach it to you. And you didn't get it because you've seen a miracle. My Father in heaven's given that to you. Right there shows us that Jesus Christ of Nazareth truly was the Son of God born onto this earth. That answers the question that man has agonized under the weight of ever since he was created in the garden and the fall took place. Is there existence after this experience? And we know without a shadow of a doubt that the spirit realm is the real, the real realm. That out of the spirit realm comes everything else that exists. And the creator of that realm and all the laws that govern it loved us so much that on a starry night in Bethlehem he stepped into a human body and he let go of everything that he was in heaven and he clothed himself with flesh and allowed himself to be born in that manger. Not only that, he lived a sinless life and at age 30, according to Jewish tradition, the eldest son always stayed in the home of his mother when his mother had been widowed. Joseph had died. Jesus fulfilled his obligation as a Jewish son, stayed in the home till age 30. Out in the desert, out in the wilderness, an evangelist named John the Baptist was touched, had the touch of God on his life, preaching hellfire and brimstone to the politicians and the Sadducees. People begin to come out, the Bible says, from Judea, Jerusalem, and all the region round about. Jesus himself went, submitted himself to the move of God. He did not go there too. Confess sin, but to fulfill righteousness. 
at that particular place, the Spirit of Almighty God descended in full measure upon the man, Jesus Christ, and he became a supernatural man. He walked three and a half years in that supernatural power, revealing to the entire earth the nature of God. God is a forgiver. God is a savior. God is a redeemer. God is a rescuer. God is a healer. God is a cleanser. He, we begin to see God in a whole new light. We begin to see God in the light of the word of God as he walked on the earth for three and a half years. Then he fulfilled the reason for his existence in the first place by allowing himself to be taken by the only people on the planet who could legally take a spotless lamb and offer it, and that is the Sanhedrin. And those priests in the temple at the time, legally and under their law, took the last spotless lamb and allowed what they thought was the most just government on the earth at the time, the Roman government, who found no fault in him three times. They allowed him to put him upon the cross, to brutally torture him. He died upon that cross, and they put him in a tomb. They were afraid because the message was the message of the resurrection, of life, of death being defeated. So they feared that someone would steal his body away. So they took a patrol of Roman soldiers, set him at the tomb, sealed the tomb with a seal, uh, and put a seal of Rome on it that said anyone who breaks this seal will have to deal with the nation of Rome. That night, the Spirit of God that anointed him returned upon him in the bowels of the earth, and he was raised from the dead. He broke the power of time. He broke the power of death. He broke the power of hell and the grave. And when you're born onto this earth, you are born an eternal being. You are born with a spirit on the inside. But it's separated from God. Religion can't hook it back up. Education can't hook it back up. No government can't hook it back up. And you can't buy a hookup. But the good news is all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. God raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, you adhere to that. You believe that. You confess that with your mouth. According to the laws of God, confession takes possession of what you believe in your heart. The Bible says you'll be born again. You'll pass from death unto life. You'll pass from darkness unto light. Amen. You say, well, will I go from, from badness to goodness? Uh, if you'll stick with it, you will. And what God gives you in the new birth is not only heaven, your home, but a brand new life to live on the earth. Jesus said it like this. He said, it's the thief, it's the devil that comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that, that you might have life and then you might have it in abundance. In God good. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to sing another song? That's the Christmas story. How God sent His Son Jesus. The seed of God. We are now the fruit of the seed that God planted in this earth 2,000 years ago. And His power has not been reduced. And His glory has not been diminished. And we'll see in the days ahead, he still has a way of getting the entire earth's attention. Just like he did 2,000 years ago. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for such a joyous season when all the earth celebrates an event that took place on this planet that literally changed the world. 
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all he is to us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, your great plan of redemption. We thank you, Lord, the greatest gift ever given. Because of that, we can live eternally with you. Thank you, Lord. Over all the church, Lord, many families are traveling. We declare your protection and safety. Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Father. So on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel, transportation, we declare your protection and safety. Lord, thank you that we're strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Thank you for your, your love in us. Live big in us, around our friends, our relatives. Let your peace that you place upon us, let it be upon those we'll be around in the next few days. Father, we thank you for it. Lord, we thank you our witness is strong, our expectancy. Lord, we thank you is seasoned with the supernatural and that which you've shown us. And we thank you, Father, as we give unto each other, celebrate the season. Lord, in our hearts, it's that same act which you perform toward us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you, in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.